Awesome. I'm, I'm going to steal Kevin's thunder here. He always asks folks, what are they listening to while they're running? What, what, <laughs> kind, what kind of tunes oh, are in boy. the, are in the <laughs> <air bags? laughs> All right, Amy, you ready? I'm ready. All right, Ty, you ready? Yeah. Time out. Tyler, who are we taking a time out with today? Thank you very much, Kevin. And uh, today we have Amy Gold, y'all, the Chief People Officer from Regional Transit Service. And Amy, thank you so much for being on the show with Kevin and I. One thing we love is people, human beings. And we see that you're a Chief People Officer. I think Kevin and I are a little jealous of your title. Um, let's just start off. What's your favorite part about a person? Oh, wow. Um, getting to know their personality, um, really getting to know the person. So for me, it's all about building relationships. So I, I'm really always interested in the person who's in front of me. Um, so that's where I start. And from there, you know, we build our, rebuild our trust together and, and, that's how we build effective teams. So just getting to know everyone else's personality is uh, a real pleasure for me here. So a lot of a lot of people don't believe that HR professionals have lives outside of work. So uh, it's, it's, we always like to, to to know a little bit more about what you do outside the walls of the office, or if you guys truly have a cot there in the office that you you pull overnights. But uh, I think. Uh, I think traditionally, when you think about HR, that's what comes to mind. But I have to say, um, experience here is quite is quite opposite. We're we're a really flexible organization where we can be, and um, and we recognize that people need that balance. So for me, yeah, absolutely. I um, I'm fortunate to have a CEO who truly believes in that. So um, I I have three kids. I spend a lot of time. Uh, with my kids, I, I run. Uh, I just did uh, three five Ks in one month. I'm challenging wow. myself here a little <laughs> bit with this stuff. Yep, yep. It's kind of cool when you can finally see that goal come to fruition. So that's been um, that's been a pleasure for me to to learn to enjoy running this year. Um, I didn't always like that, so I take the time to do that. Take care of myself so I can take care of my family and take care of uh, people here at RTS, um, which then kind of resonates to our customers. So yeah, good stuff. Well, awesome. I'm, I'm gonna steal Kevin's thunder here. He always asks folks, what are they listening to while they're running? What, what, <laughs> kind, of, what kind of tunes oh, are, in the, are in the air? <laughs> I have an eclectic taste. Awesome. Uh, so any given day, well, lately it's been any kind of holiday music, um, like greatest hits holiday music um <laughs> i can't i you know running i need inspiration so i typically go to uh like my 80s uh rock bands uh at, you know acdc um things that really get you pumped up um make you want to run faster <laughs> uh, thunderstruck yeah that's, that's a big one on my playlist that's, but like I said, I, that's when she's coming right out of the house that one <laughs> Been that one's a first right there. <laughs> I, I go from that 
to the Bee Gees. I mean, I it's everything mm -hmm. in between. I am, uh, yeah. So whatever's motivating motivating me that day, that's what I'm. That's, what I'm that's awesome. Yeah, I need some music when I'm running. Otherwise, I I can't run. I'm 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 no man for a treadmill because I find it extremely boring. Uh, I just so start thinking. That's, I overthink. I just oh, yeah. think and think and think. I'm like, this is the worst exercise of all time. Exactly. You know, it's a total a total mental game you play with yourself i've learned that i really have so yeah oh yeah yeah well, i saw that you have it's three. Still... So, so amy do you have do you have three kids is that right yeah three kids okay yeah. and a husband i saw that on your on your bio if, if you're yeah. taking your family out to eat and, and upstate up there where are you where are you taking them i'm a foodie i just love to know how people's palates are <laughs> well i don't usually get to pick when we're all going out. So it's either the dinosaur barbecue. Um, okay. That's that's probably number one on the list. Uh, Cheesecake Factory. Wow. <laughs> Cheesecake Factory and my yeah, daughter loves Olive Garden. So those are okay. like uh, a rotating, yeah. Wow. Now if that's... I'm picking, it's, you know, okay. it's a lot different. But, <laughs> but the dinosaur, it's funny because we, just there last night uh, for my oldest daughter's birthday. So um, yeah, it's a regular. That's awesome. And I gotta ask, what is your what is the top three Gould family Christmas movies? <laughs> oh, wow. Well, uh, easy number one would be Christmas Vacation. Oh, um, all right, I have, still have I to watch that, that this year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's playing all the time. Um, Elf, it's got to be in the top three. Um, and then probably a, a Christmas story. Although my kids are starting to get a little like, eh, I don't like this so much anymore, but I have it on um, a lot. So you turn on into that 24, and then of 24 course, hour one with the TBS. Yeah. Like, yeah. They, all right. Yeah. They start, <laughs> yep. They started playing for 24 hours. You got it. I did not know it's a wonderful life was filmed in Seneca Falls. I, I did you or I want to say, did y'all know that? Yeah. yeah, I did know that actually. That was the last 5k I just did Saturday. It was called It's a Wonderful Run. And you go, you start off on the bridge where the um, yeah, where a lot of filming happened. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Oddly, awesome. they actually mentioned Elmira in that movie. I think I texted you that, man. <laughs> yes, I, well, they do. <laughs> I've never seen that movie, by the way. I really should watch it. When oh, it. Amy, all right. You have to watch That's your homework after this show. That all is, right. that movie always Amy, I'm guilty. forced me to watch that every single year. So there is a message in that movie that my mom was trying to get, get across to me. So every year, Kevin, we're watching this movie this year. So Awesome. Yes. All right. Yeah, I will put it on my to-do list. Yeah, this was the first year I ever watched it too, Amy. Don't feel bad. And they do mention Elmira. And I was like, I'm pretty sure that's where Kevin's from. <laughs> so, so, but yeah, well, let's, uh, let's uh, dive into the nuts and bolts a little bit. What do you say? Uh, so Amy, can you just kind of tell us how you got into HR and how you kind of became a chief people officer? Well, yeah. So getting into HR was probably, you know, full transparency, probably more of an accident than anything. It was uh, one of my first, jobs um, out of school and uh, it was an opening that looked interesting and um, had to do with people which I 
you know, I kind of figured I would do something where I would be, you know, um, interacting with folks, interacting with people. And from there, look, it was just, it was a lot of it is, right? Uh, there's a lot of luck that goes into uh, when you're looking for the right position, timing, um, having the right, you know, like connection with the organization. And, uh, you know, all those things play a major role in, in, in where your career takes you. Um, and I'm, I, when I landed here at RTS, um, I actually started as their director of workforce development. So I, I worked very closely with um, our operators in our, in our training and really under, got to understand uh, what this organization is really about. So I felt very fortunate that I had that experience um, and then moving into like an executive VP role and then the chief people officer role. So my time here at RTS, which is going on eight years now has been um, just explosive in terms of things that we're doing as, as an organization and um, what's happening in the world around us as well. Mm -hmm. So, but chief people, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a loaded title. Um, <laughs> there's a lot that goes into that here. So you've got your internal focus with, you know, our employees, which, you know, we, we really spend the time we have to start with our employees. It's taken as an organization to say that out loud. Mm -hmm. um, and then we have our customers and those are both our, our bus customer and our internal customers. The focus, um, focus all of the, um, and, you know, dealing with people all day long. And uh, so it, it's a lot. And I have, the only way I'm successful is because I have a phenomenal team of people who are leading uh, all the different functions within the people department and our customer service department and our communications department. So they make it happen every day. It's, it's amazing to watch. Something we don't really get to, uh, we have never had an HR VP of HR here on this show with Time Out with Leaders and, and, and something that doesn't really get talked about enough, I feel like, because I am so passionate about the HR community is leadership in the HR community right? Um, there's HR professionals, but then there's HR leaders that are also HR professionals. How important has that been to probably come up with some of those creative, and we'll get into it in a little bit, but outside the box things that you guys do there, like I know, one, for example, the DE&I initiative that you guys were doing far mm -hmm. before it became a fad for some organizations here in, in the local area. You guys were committed to it. You were doing uh, uh, focus groups, I was just blown away during the pandemic hearing from your team kind of about that program, but how have you kind of built your leadership internally in order to get the things done that you know that needed to be done? Now, that's a great question. Um, so it's, it starts really with the mindset of understanding that we have to shift our culture, right? What, what we've been doing in the HR world is doesn't, work anymore. Um, and it shouldn't work anymore. The world has changed. So for me personally here at RTS, it was really understanding that and then um, really aligning the skill sets and the folks who bought into that strategy that, hey, look, we really, yes, we're always going to have compliance. We're always going to have things we have to do, but we really need to focus on how do we become an employee facing organization as a, as a people department. People need to feel comfortable um, interacting with folks in the people department. People need to understand that we're here to add value uh, to their day and, and whatever that looks like. Um, 
So one place we started, so it's building effective teams. Um, our employee survey has been exceptionally helpful in understanding our workforce. Uh, we, we do that, we launch that twice a year. Uh, we, we ask some very specific questions, but really the meat of our um, feedback comes from open-ended questions. Like, you know, what are we doing that we should continue to do? And, you know, how can we make your workday better? Hmm. Oh my, we get, we get so much good, we get so much gold. Uh, we mine a lot of gold out of that. And when we do that, and they and our employees see us, you know, returning that in terms of um, whether it's an action that we can take, a strategy that we build around something, um, it really makes a difference. So it's been this journey, it continues. So we really started out strategy-wise with well-being. Um, because that's where a lot of people were like, I just, you know, I need balance. I need to feel healthier. Um, you know, a lot of things around holistic wellness. And then this idea of, okay, so now how do we build in uh, inclusivity and how do we make sure that we're a diverse organization? So that strategy has kind of mushroomed into a, a larger strategy. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's really about having the right folks um, and uh, the ones who really champion the culture change, right. which we're in the middle of experiencing right now, I would say. Yeah. I see what you did there too. Good as gold. Yeah, I saw gold. I, I saw what you did. <laughs> right so, very too. impressive. Very impressive. I, I'm surprised. <laughs> One of the things that I just wanted to ask, kind of curtailing off that question, though, is that these programs require investment, right? They require money. Um, and sometimes people are trying to pitch their company as something that, other than what it is during the interview process, thinking that that's enough to, I guess, attract and keep talent. And, and you and I can sit here today and know that that is a, a short-term strategy for not long-term success, right? Yeah, How sure. did you get the leaders to commit and understand that the, the investment in the well-being of your employees was going to correlate to a better customer experience externally from the organization? Another great question. Well, so for my experience here, it was really making sure we had buy-in from our CEO. I mean, it really, you have to start there in order for it to be successful. So, um, and being a CEO who, who knows that he's not the expert in this HR space and in this well, well-being space, really trusts the team who's putting this together. And when you do that, and then you cascade that so we have a we have a fairly large leadership team. Um, you know, it's about making your case for it. You know, there's a lot of ways to do that. For us, it was really genuinely getting the feedback from our employees and, and saying to the leadership team, this is not working. This is not working. This is working. And we, we need to find a way to build strategies around what, what really is working. And from there, then you get the buy-in because uh, number one, it's the right thing to do. For, for your employees. And, and the, the, I guess the return on that investment really, Kevin, is that um, you have engaged employees. And when you have engaged employees, that's gonna resonate to that, that customer experience is gonna be so much more enhanced when they're dealing with someone who's feeling good about themselves um, and feeling good about the company that they work for. So that's, you know, that's how we try to relate it back. Um, when we talk about well-being, we talked about soapboxes earlier. That's one soapbox yep. I will roll out and let you keep keep going on and on and on about because I, I I see it so transparently, just like you. And it's almost like, 
how do we how do we have that conversation to show that this is how we get a more engaged employee and, and it's right. it, it is the true well-being and the of the individual themselves and it's personal it's financial it's emotional it's mental it's physical it's all these key phrases that we're hearing now but it all starts yep. with leadership like you said with the ceo and understanding to trust so yep. trust is so important. And that's something that Tyler and I geek out about a lot um, because it's one of the most common themes throughout. I think this is like the 30th episode of the show. Without fail, every great leader that we've spoken to has brought up trust. Now, how do you build it and how do you keep it? And how do you continue to build off of the trust to build and continue to build that great culture and environment? Right. So that's 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 the real question that we 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 struggle with that every day. For me as a leader, um, it all starts with, like I said in the beginning, getting to know the person. And when you can establish that relationship and you can demonstrate that every time you are going to treat that person consistently, they know what to expect from you. Um, actually, this is a soapbox, but um, we have personal leadership philosophies here. So we, we really state who we are as people and as leaders and you know we state our expectations so people know. Um, and so when you build that relationship and then time and time again, the person that you're working with has that same experience like, oh, they said this and they actually did it. And oh, uh, they're giving me the autonomy. They must trust me to do this. Those are the ways that I demonstrate it. Um, I think I'm, uh, you know, the autonomy piece without uh, micromanaging is not the right word, but without always having to check in with folks, I'm just, I'm trusting that they're going to come to me and tell me uh, what they need and you know, having regular um, touch points with employees is important. Asking them what do they need from me is, has become very important for me. Mm -hmm. um, so I think those fundamental things, that, that's really it. You know, there's no, like, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's simple in terms of if you do it, um, you know, it just naturally happens. And, you know, I guess that's, that's the challenge. There's, you know, we know there's folks that, that need support in learning how to build those trusting relationships mm -hmm. with their employees. Nailed that. And Amy, I was always, I was going to say, you know, everyone's voice, it's always fun for your voice to be heard, right? We're all, we're all human beings. It's nice when people listen to what you got to say when you really, <laughs> when you really mean it too, you know, and you, you were talking about, you know, those surveys and uh, having people feel a little empowered and be involved in interacting with your company. What can you kind of nail, uh, like nail down or dive into like, what's the best, most, most valuable feedback you've ever received on one of those surveys? And What's like the biggest blind side you've ever received on a survey? Do you have an, like a, a, can you give us two? The most valuable and oh my gosh, I did not know we did that. Yeah, yes. Uh, the, yeah, um, so the most valuable feedback probably came um, in my time here anyways, came when we were really in the throes of the pandemic. And of course, <laughs> everyone was trying to figure out as, as all companies and organizations trying to figure out what the right things were to do for your employees, right? We had to keep buses out on the street. Mm -hmm. So not all of our employees could stay home. Um, and so how, how do we manage that? And how do we um, make people feel safe, 
right? And uh, know, know that their leaders are, care about them. So uh, we actually had to launch one of our surveys because we have a we we do those um, in the second quarter of the year and the fourth quarter, and our fiscal year starts April one. So the fourth quarter was right in the throes of the pandemic, and um, we thought we were doing the right things. You know, we uh, we um, had a safety plan put together, and we we you know we we thought we were doing the right things and. When we got the survey results back, um, I think it was surprising to me that we actually had um, record setting engagement and satisfaction scores wow. for that quarter. Oh, wow. Wow. During the pandemic. Yep. So, <laughs> wow. yeah. how, how does that happen? That's, uh, that's awesome. So, so that's good or bad, right? So it was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, we did we did some of this right during the pandemic. Like we got some of this stuff right. Um, and then you look at it as you as you step back. Then it's like, okay, so what were all of those things we did? Um, and you know, can we continue to do those? Well, so part of it is people's emotions around knowing that we really cared and how. We stayed in touch with employees and communicated and all of that. Um, so it was really like a, I guess, a proud moment for us as an organization that um, we we really demonstrated to our employees, you know, that um, we we really care about them, um, and that came through in in the in the feedback. So that was that was great. So every <laughs> every time we launch the survey, we there's always um, something that kind of like oh. Kind of like surprises you. Start. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is what I want to know. <laughs> what? Um, so yeah, I would say, and this is very general um, comment, but there are specific instances that I probably really can't get into. But um, communication in any organization is always a challenge here um, because a lot of our workforce we never see them. Mm -hmm. They're out on the street um, all day, and it's it's very difficult to stay in touch. But what what I discovered was um, that people within like leadership positions, they were communicating, but it wasn't consistent. And you could tell that the messages that were coming through were being filtered in a way that this department would hear something first, and then it would go through the department and by the time it got to the last person it wasn't even remotely accurate and then those people would go and tell this other department and yet their leader hadn't even told them anything yet right so all of kind of yeah. um, so we learned a big lesson there like if we're going to communicate to the leadership team it has to be the whole leadership team it has to be a consistent message they all have to hear it at the same time. Mm -hmm. And then they have to be told you have whatever X amount of time to, to, to cascade that information. So something very basic that kind of gets lost sometimes and you don't realize how frustrating it is for people until you get feedback that says, well, I didn't know about this. And you know, I was told by someone in another department and, and those things, you know, um, they, they affect engagement and um so communication in general is has been especially over this last year because we've kind of yeah. had a little bit of tunnel vision so we learned a big lesson there 
Awesome. <laughs> Good deal. Well, it's constantly keeping that like uh, that constant learning environment that I know that a lot of people are talking about. And Tyler and I talk frequently about um, the purpose conversation, right? The, the individuals finding their purpose right now, organizations trying to find a uniting purpose that everybody can get behind. You mentioned that a majority of your workforce you never even get to see. How do you create that uniting purpose and what is the uniting purpose of RTS there? Well, so the uniting purpose is really our mission, um, you know, and our mission is to provide safe, sustainable transportation for our community at, at the core. Um, and uh, our operators know this. We are very vocal about um, the RTS way, uh, which is really our way of um, exhibiting our culture through our values and then the behaviors that are aligned with those. So how we how we're able to get in front of our operators and other folks like our technicians and folks who are you know working nonstop, they have regular what we call we call it in-service training, but it's you know it's training in masses where we get in front of large groups of people and we talk about things that matter. Hmm. Um, we did have uh, town hall meetings uh, before the pandemic. A lot, of course, then a lot of has shifted since the pandemic, and I think that's why communication's been a little off, but um, so we, we constantly reinforce the RTS way. Um, we constantly reinforce that, you know, um, living the RTS, RTS way is our culture. And so we recognize people for that. If we peer to peer, employee to supervisor, a customer can recognize somebody for, for living the RTS way. So that's kind of been our recognition platform. And in doing that, reinforcing the culture that we want to have here. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, that's in a basic answer, that's that's the way we've been reinforcing our, our purpose, our mission, um, and our values. You would never think about that with, with the general public thinking and seeing you guys as, a, lack of a better term, a busing organization, right? You would never yeah. think to hear some of these things that are going on, and it's unbelievable because I think that a number of organizations of throughout the community could just take a couple pieces of your playbook and apply that and really see the magic happen. It's, it's incredible. So thank you for that, Amy. Yeah, Amy, and didn't you come up with the RTS way, if I'm not mistaken? What wasn't yeah. that? Didn't you do some like internal customer service standard campaign? And it turned yes. into the RTS way. And you're not taking any credit for that right now. <laughs> That's why she's a leader, Tyler. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was a team effort. And uh, yeah, so it was a strategy that was built uh, while I was in this leadership role. Uh, and yes, that's exactly what we did. We surveyed our employees and asked them, um, what would you like, what behaviors or what would be the best day at RTS for you, right? And we distilled, oh my gosh, we distilled a lot of information. I think we surveyed like 100 employees across, you know, different parts of the organization. And um, that's how we came. Now, it's funny because the values have been our values for a while. And when we received all of the feedback and started looking at the behaviors that people were saying, well, I just want to, you know, I want people to have fun at work. You know, we have a lot to do, but I, you know, I'd like it to be a fun environment. Or, you know, I just want to be treated with respect. You know, I want my boss to say hi to me, you know, when he walks by. Mm -hmm. something very basic and we saw that and we're like oh my gosh this is 
this is these are these behaviors are really aligning like it works i mean we have the right values and so put that all together so we reflect those behaviors and uh yeah that was that was our team and then we rolled that out that took a lot of time but we rolled it out and it educated our entire workforce on the rts way and it's really been our it's it's been our anchor yeah for it's awesome to have that foundation <laughs> but it's a yeah. foundation that everybody yeah. can go back to and 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 one of the things that's interesting right is that a lot of organizations have gone through the efforts of rewriting their mission, vision, and value statements, right? And it's one thing to put them on the wall, right? And on all, every wall, I mean, in the bathroom, in the, wherever they want to put them, right? But in yeah. some organizations, that's not enough to build the culture, right? Because there's not, there's people without leadership in HR positions, in my opinion, do you feel like you're the shepherds, you're, you're the ones that are protecting the mission, vision, and values when you're not seeing that being played up in meetings? So then other or other employees and other people on your staff or your team see that you're protecting those values. Is that important in the building of the, the sound culture that you now have at RTS? Absolutely. I mean, it, it really, it doesn't happen without members of, well, every team, but in particular, the people department saying, hey, uh, if you're in a meeting, if, you know, we start every meeting, regardless of the meeting with, I, I someone please, give me an example of someone living the RTS way. I mean, it's that important. Wow. Um, so yes, I think our, our department, the people department, because now we've really um, found the right skill sets and people who buy into this culture change, they really, they believe in this so much. Mm -hmm. And so they do shepherd it. And um, and one way we, we, we track this is, you know, part of our annual performance review process you know, we look at, you know, have you, have you been recognizing your employees for mm. living the RTS way? You know, we need leaders to be engaging with their employees. Um, so that's something we look at and we will, we will identify if there's an, a leader who, you know, really isn't um, holding their own, you know, we'll say to them, geez, you know, it's been six months since you've just written a card. I mean, we have templates. It's a, it's a, it's really more about recognizing that the, the need is there. You need to be reinforcing this with your employees. So yes, probably to some people's dismay, you know, we have folks who are very passionate about this and will, you know, um, call people out to say, hey, you know, you need to be doing this, which um, is, it's so important to us that- it's a shared responsibility yeah. at that point. Yeah. And it's collective and it's not Absolutely. just an initiative coming from the HR department and it's, it's fascinating. One of the one of the other things, and Tyler, I know I'm talking a lot, but you know I'm geeking out about this stuff. Is oh, hammer it, man! There's, hammer there's, it home. <laughs> there's some there's some people calling for the uh, abomination of HR departments right now. Um, I mm. came from ADP, the world that would love to automate any administrative task that HR is doing, and a majority of leadership still sees HR as that tactical, administrative, oh. firefighting, no fun, party planning police. Um, how do we how do we break that right? How do we break that how do we break that stigma? Because what's important, right, and what you were just saying is that 
um, you're, you're in constant communication with your employee base. And it seems like the clear lines of communication, you mentioned like the game of telephone did not work, but it also seems like you have a line right from the front of the workforce to the, the, the top tower, if you will, at the top of the ivory tower with you and the CEO. How do you open those lines of communication from the front line to the top to make sure you're keeping all things equal? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. I think, you know, it, again, um, you know, not a perfect organization by any stretch of the imagination, but I want to, I just want to touch on before I answer that, it, what you said about getting rid of an HR function because it's so tactical and it's all about compliance and we don't care about the people. That is, um, that is thinking uh, that is so uh, outdated, but yet it's still, it's right in front of us, right? Every day, people still have this. <laughs> I see it every day. <laughs> right. And I, I think the way that you combat that is to show, I mean, you measure, you, you, you find ways to measure um, what you're doing is making a difference. For us, it's around engagement, satisfaction, and um, reinforcing, you know, when we, when we say we're going to do something, we do it. Uh, and then this this idea of, oh, well, this is what I told you that I need as an individual or that I want and actually seeing it. And then that resonates to more metrics, our customer satisfaction survey. So we, we get on board buses and we survey our customers quarterly. Hmm. And in that process, we also learn a lot. We ask some standard questions and then we, we shift some questions around because we have tried to build in our value questions, you know, mm -hmm. was your operator, did they say hi to you? Were they respectful? All of these things, you know, so it, it's, it's just, it's showing that through data to the extent that you can. And then part of it is people just know, like when you walk into an organization and people are saying, oh, this is, you know, whatever it is, oh, they do a lot of fun things here. Oh, they, they really care about your well-being. We have a state-of-the-art fitness center here that's open 24 seven. Those are the things that help you shift your culture um, and, and help to co combat that. The, the, you know, the front lines, so again, right? We are an organization that we know that um, it's tough to really get in front of a lot of our employees. So we have, again, any, any leader in the organization should be having an op open door policy. Our CEO has it. So, you know, by virtue, it's, this is what it is. He actually has an email where people, employees can write him, wow. um, you know, with a question or a concern. And, you know, the great thing about that is it doesn't get utilized a lot, which tells me mm -hmm. that people are, you know, for the most part doing what they need to do as leaders in the organization. Um, and again, it's not perfect. So you need to build that trusting environment mm -hmm. so people can feel like they can come talk or share uh, an experience and um, you know that all it really it goes back to the culture again and it goes back to our values what which you is probably in. where you're getting um, all those so, great ideas from the the front of the workforce too and they because they're, they're they're the ones doing the work day in and day out they probably give you some great innovative ideas that senior leadership may, may have never thought about before but it's important to have that foundation of trust otherwise they're not willing to share it so that's, thank that's you and Amy, I just, uh, I'm just i in the HR world a little bit now, too, nowadays. I've been, uh, I jumped into recruiting as of two weeks ago and moved down to Dallas, Fort Worth, and I'm having a blast doing it. <laughs> I mean, I am firing up these people. I have so much fun 
talking to these people about these clients' job openings I'm having, right? I don't even know what I'm doing yet, really. I'm having <laughs> such a good time, but I'm selling it. I was going to ask you, you're a pro. What are a few tips for me for interviewing folks? I'm in the IT and engineering space. Oh, wow. Do you have any tips for me at all? I mean, I'm, I'm literally probably 16 days into this, and I'm just shooting from the hip, and it's working. I'd love a little advice from you, Amy. Oh, wow. Thank you. I, I think for what we've learned here is asking, um, I guess what I'll refer to as value, values-based questions, uh, number one. So if you know, so if, if you're, if you understand the company culture enough and you can ask value-based questions of the individual, that's helpful. But what's more helpful, um, just in our experience, are, you know, asking the situational questions. So you want to get an, you want to get a specific example from somebody about something that you're asking them about, whether it's, you know, tell me how you would handle, you know, this person coming in and saying, you know, I've been sexually harassed or what, you know, so trying to get it, um, trying to understand the person's skill set through situational questions. I think, you know, very, uh, you know, basic, but also very telling in some instances, if folks can't give you examples, it's like, oh, you know, what have they really done um, in that space? So those are things that top of mind, those things. And then just, you have to be yourself and you have to represent uh, the company uh, that you're, you know, um, interviewing for, you know, the way that they would want you to represent them. So it's, you know, again, it, it goes back to values. Mm -hmm. All right, value-based and situational. Are you on the Are you on the side of hire for values and then train for skills right now in this 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 new world of work? Uh, yeah, and some of that is just out of necessity. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, we are constantly hiring um, bus operators now, um, and yeah, and so if you can imagine, we will hire someone without a license, and then we will invest in them, get them their permit and get them their CDL license. Wow. So it's not a, it's a pretty heavy investment we're making. In people. That's amazing. But that's, that's how we get our, uh, the, the collectively, the community healthy, uh, all of us. That's and, right. and I know ATRTS is doing their part to, to really bring up the community in which you guys live and work. And it, it, it's amazing to see. One of the things that you haven't said throughout this entire conversation, and Tyler and I always laugh about this, this too, is compensation, right? Everybody had went from a sign-on bonus, then it was a retention bonus, and now everybody's looking at compensation. I have not heard you say that as a tool for overall engagement of employees once. Why is right. that? Oh, I think there are multiple reasons, but I'll share with you just factual information. We have um, we have bargaining units here, so we have labor unions. So sometimes compensations just it is what it is because it's in the contract, right? Um, um, so we do talk about it uh, fairly regularly, um, but it really is not one of the first things that we focus on. It really isn't. It, it, it is more around. Um, getting to know the individual that's in front of us and whether we think they can be successful, you know, for the long term here, because again, we're an organization that historically has had very, very low turnover. Mm -hmm. And we, we pride ourselves on that. Um, and lately, because of trying to, you know, hire a lot of people quickly, 
you know, um, that turnover rate for our newer employees is probably a little higher than, mm -hmm. than we would like. So compensation though, um, generally speaking for other professional positions, we understand right now that um, we do need to look at it because mm -hmm. we have to remain competitive and knowing where we are with inflation and just the cost of goods, um, it's, it is, it's a real challenge for us. Um, but is that how you truly we, engage an employee, right? Well, it's really not part of our, it's not part of the people department's mindset to, to always be thinking, ooh, this has to be the carrot out here. No, it's really not. Um, and, but I will, uh, but I think uh, lately it's becoming more of a, of a conversation. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Out of necessity. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. The corporate carrot, Kevin. I've learned so much about about business through you, man. Thank you for all these terms. <laughs> I thought you came up with them all, man. Then I hear other people say them. I'm like, Kevin didn't come up with that. But uh... <laughs> and Amy, I was. Uh, did you spend time at Johnson and Johnson? Did I read? Oh, I did. Yeah, when they had. Uh... It's no longer, it's orthoclinical. Uh, they're out in Greece, New York. Um, Johnson & Johnson sold them off four or five years ago. But yes, I was there when it was a and j company. Yeah. How was the environment out there? Uh, totally different than where I am now. Um, of course, because it's a, it's a huge organization. So you are wonderful in one aspect that you're, you're working with folks uh, from across the globe. So your perspective of um, ideas and creativity and just you know the enormity of that organization, it's a lot to take in. Um, fascinating uh, because they're always constantly changing, constantly changing. And so you're you're usually in a cycle of change management. So you're trying to keep employees, you know, <laughs> um, sane and healthy while we're going through those. Um, so that's what I learned that I I didn't particularly enjoy about that role uh, in a large organization because there is a lot of change. Mm -hmm. um, and what I like about an organization like RTS, the, the size, we're around a thousand employees. It's you, you just, the impact yeah, for me personally as a leader, you can see it mm -hmm. and it, it makes a difference, mm -hmm. right? Um, so I found like, you know, you can all of the experiences kind of make you who you are as a leader and you take all the good from them. But, you know, I've learned over the years that I really want to see the impact of things that I'm building strategy around. Um, it's important to me for my sense of purpose. So it's your um, labor. It's, it's, it's really cool to see the impact that and, and probably the smiling faces of your employees and treating and understanding the mental well-being and a piece of the mental well-being that's being spoken more today because we all went through massive trauma going through the pandemic collectively as 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 a society or mankind whatever we want to call it how do you create a safe enough environment to talk about mental health and mental wellness in your organization and has that become more of a focus as as we continue to evolve post pandemic while well, we're still in the pandemic but as we continue to move move forward as to whatever the future of life looks like thereafter yeah, I, I love this question. Um, you really in tune with what's going on today, Kevin. It's, so it has become a, a larger focus for us. Um, you know, we, we have data that we look at the strictly numbers, no names, no nothing, but you know, data from our health insurance carrier that shows you know, how that um, 
uh, mental health services has kind of, you know, peaked for us in terms of people utilizing services. So that was a big aha moment for us. Like, okay, now we, we, we do things in that space a lot, but we've really now thought about, you know, talked about specifically, all right, you know, what are the specific strategies around this? Um, one of the things that we do constantly uh, in our intranet every day, uh, we have a, um, a message from our well-being specialist uh, around, it could be, it's a different topic every day. You know, mental health is one of those. She'll send something about, all right, it's time to take a five minute stretch break, get up, clear your mind. So those things are kind of going on constantly. Um, but we are big on using our EAP provider. We, we tell people, please, you know, we just had administrative in-service. And one of the things we talked about was you need to be telling employees, this is such a valuable resource for them. Um, so getting the word out around these services that are free to them and available to them 24 seven, you know, so it's just this constant um, communication and awareness to our employees that these services exist um, as part of our strategy, just being in front of them and understanding the need. Um, and, and, and again, it's all pretty much tactical at this point. We will do things, we will bring folks in. Um, we have EAP counselors that will come on site and wow. sit and wow. allow folks to talk to them. Yeah, so we, you know, we, because we recognize to your point, especially our operators and folks who are out interfacing with the public, it's so stressful. Um, and, you know, they need, they need coping mechanisms. Um, and, and so, you know, we, we had, here's an example. Okay. Uh, we just had something very simple, but chair massages in our multi-purpose room. Whole <laughs> day. Yeah. Come in on your break, take 15 minutes, get your neck and back, you know, wow. so it's, yeah, those things that we do. Yeah. That's so awesome to hear. <laughs> that is so cool. You know, and if you think about it, they're very simple uh, things that people really appreciate. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and the more I step back and like kind of look at the pandemic overall, there's a lot of like, uh, I, I want to say, I, in my experience, like underlining lying, like blessings here, like to bring all right. this, like, I mean, it took a global pandemic to raise awareness around mental health. Yeah. You, know, yeah, you mentioned that you had the best survey of all time during a global pandemic. What were we doing before this? You know, I mean, I think we were just stuck in neutral. Saying, okay, <laughs> let's, just, let's just keep getting by. You know, we got to wait till the daggum world's all sick and then we'll do something. You know, we're, we're very proactive, if you ask me. Um, so I think it woke up a lot of folks up, um, regardless of your belief in it. But um, I don't know. I, I just, uh, you know, in my experience, you know, I've, I've been dealing with that and helping folks out with that for a while. And, and to see it, like, have to come to this, it's kind of like, dude, that was old news, man. You know, <laughs> that's, just, that's just my experience. You know, I, I understand the, the human race the, that we all, all have grown up differently. We're all wired differently. We don't have the same fiber in us, you know, we're all the same cells. And that's kind of how I think it, we're all learning for, with each other. Um, yeah. Amy, if you were uh, to hire Kevin and me, what would your sales pitch be over there to get Kevin and Tyler hired on at RTS? <laughs> you really, all you have to do is go on our internet, uh, go on our website and look at our, our video around uh, our, the RTS way. 
Mm -hmm. It kind of encapsulates everything that we stand for here. And you get to hear uh, real life employees, operators, mechanics, office personnel talking about, you know, um, how the RTS way is brought to life here and how they love their jobs. You know, at the core, it, it really is for us. Um, it's a, it's a caring, it's a caring organization. Um, and that, that takes on different forms. But what I would just say is, you know, come in and, and, and just talk to people. I wouldn't be selling. I would be asking you to talk to other mm -hmm. folks in the organization, ask them what their experience is like, um, because that's where you're going to get the real, you know, the real news and the real information. Um, and I would sell it with my soapbox being, you know, Kevin and I, I think are kindred spirits here. You know, you have to treat your employees uh, with respect and you have to kind of put them first in order for them to be able to give their best to our customers. It's just, it's a complete shift in how we think about uh, human resources. Um, I'll get on that soapbox with you because I think that we, that's the real, that's how we get out these businesses out into the community. It's how we actually build a, a, a true brand as an employer that we are in the community. We are doing these things because that's something that I, in my, call me an age demographic, call me whatever you want. Maybe I'm just a human that cares about others, but that is so important to me that I see that the employer that I'm supporting and working alongside and that it's not only about profits, that there's more to right. the puzzle than just profit. Because when it's just profit, that is a very weak, in my opinion, purpose for a lot of people, because that's very yeah. hard to get around. Now, I can't thank you enough, Amy, for being a part of the show, sharing this insights with us. And one of my closing questions for you, um, and Tyler and I are going to ask you, we haven't done it in a while, but maybe we'll ask you one or two interview questions as you're interviewing for us here at Time Out with Leaders. But I have to ask the question about constant communication. You've talked about it throughout the entire episode. You've talked about trust. You've talked about getting that raw, honest feedback. How much does that help you in, in, in limiting the amount of fires that you're fighting and actually flip to be more proactive in your role there in VP of people. Yeah, that's great. It is. That's, I think it's helped. It's, it's been a tremendous help. I mean, it's really shifted our strategy around what we do as a people department. I mean, um, it's so important to understand your employees, uh, because when you don't, and you, 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 again, it just goes back to knowing who they are, number one, as individuals and what they need, what they need from you as their employer. And, and, they, and so the constant communication comes from when we do a survey and we report back out, like these are the things that we heard, these are the things we're working on. Um, I think that pays dividends mm -hmm. in, 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 uh, in terms of you know, building that credibility oh, yeah. as an organization. Um, so it, without it, uh, we, you know, it, the other part of that is building a diverse organization, right? So that's where our DEI strategy comes into, into focus. Um, because without that, we don't have the ideas, we don't have, you know, the different perspectives. So that's, that's the journey we're on right now. Um, because that will also then make another huge difference for us in terms of strategy building and, um, you know, things that we focus on going forward. Well, just hearing so that, it's all related. Uh, even just hearing that you actually use the survey, survey data and how you actually communicate that back to the audience. Cause I think there's a lot of companies that are like, Oh, surveys. All right. So we got a lot of trend followers when it comes to this kind of stuff and human capital strategy. 
Um, and they survey, they survey again and again and again, and nothing changes, right? And then they're surprised when they get to like 25% response rates thereafter, and people aren't very transparent and they're not very open. So just hearing that you guys are utilizing those surveys to your advantage to really help produce a better product, if you will, at the end of the day, to create that, that real well-being, that total package to protect their per personal well-being, but also their professional well-being as well to enable right. their success. All right. Well, you, I got to ask you an interview question, Tyler, I'm going to have you kick it off first. What's your interview question for Miss Amy? Well, Amy, uh, thanks for interviewing here with time out with leaders um, this morning. Uh, my first question to you is we all have strengths. What is your greatest weakness? <laughs> oh, uh, uh, and then this is something I'm learning. Um, there's something called helpful helpfulness, right? Uh, I'm, I'm learning that sometimes being helpful is not helpful mm. as a leader, right? Sometimes it's more about giving folks um, the space to solve the problem, not doing it for them. So I think that's for me a, 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 a journey I'm on right now um, because I, I want to always help people yeah, but that's not always helpful. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I love that. Well, I need to ask you a values-based question here because I think I've gotten asked this in just about every job interview that I've had. Give me a time that you dealt with a stressful situation and, and how did you deal with it? Oh, well, let's see. I'm going to pick the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that little thing? That was stressful? <laughs> As the leader of the people department, trying to figure out the right things to do for our employees. Um, yeah, so look, hey, what I had to do was really stay focused on perspective and kind of narrow my lens to, we just focused on you know the task ahead of us, keeping in mind what we're doing here. It's all about the employees. So, um, so if I can focus, helps me, helps my stress level. Um, keeping perspective uh, helps. And, you know, the well-being piece, we did, we still, as much as we could online and through learnings, e-learnings and getting our culture, culture and inclusion council in front of folks virtually, those things do, they do matter and they made a difference. Um, so keeping some spirit of lightness through that as well. Well, thank you. You're you're accepting. You're hired here at Time Out with Leaders. That was beautifully put. And I just want to thank you. <laughs> I just want to say thank you so much, Amy, for for really being on the show today. Um, being a leader in the HR community, um, showing others like what leadership truly looks like at the end of the day, and it is that employee for, for focus first. Um, happy employees make happy customers, and, the, and, and that's really where, where the magic happens in our communities and, and, and in, in the walls of our organizations. And it's yes. amazing to me to see your HR department, your people department, if you will, not viewed as a foe by your employees and actually valued and see it as a, a true business partner, but also somebody that's there to enable their success, which has become more and more difficult based off the type of leadership that's leading that organization and how they're enabling and allowing their HR to perform. So fabulous conversation thank you so much for being a part of the show with tyler and i it was a blast thank you i really appreciate it too thanks for asking always
Yeah. Thank you so much, Amy. You're, you're something else. You're a special person. And uh, thanks for sharing your experiences with us. We'll share them with the world for you. Awesome. Thank you guys.